Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you're with Lyle and... Mon and I have a question. Yes. So for our delayed broadcast listeners yes. who are the ones that are hearing this right now, do you guys get sick of us telling you every morning that you're the delayed broadcast listeners and how yes. to switch over to the live show? Yes, yes. Do you yes. reckon they get sick of it? Yes. Do you know what? Can you give yes. us a call, delayed listeners, and tell us whether or not you're sick of it? Give yes. us a call. The number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. They're all sick of it. 1-800-324-843. And just FYI, just because this is a delayed broadcast doesn't mean that we won't get your phone calls because we are on air at the same time live as the delayed broadcast is being broadcast. So we're still here at the studio and we can still take your phone calls. Just give us a call and tell us what you're sick of it. Because I'm really quite intrigued. Yeah. And, and, and stay tuned because in today's delayed broadcast, there is the most <laughs> epic blooper coming up <laughs> ever. It's true. We have a big fat mistake coming up. In fact, up. there's, there's um, one really epic one and then there's one smaller one. Yeah, there's a couple, there's a couple, <laughs> of, couple of little ones. <laughs> Should we tell them what it is? No, no, no. Just stay tuned. It's, it's, it's kind of cool. You, you, get a, you get a background view of what goes on yeah. behind the scene yeah. because we left the microphones on. on when we shouldn't have. When we shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to see what happens when, uh, when, when we're that, not on yeah, air. Yeah, yeah. When that, <laughs> oh, this is going to be great. But hey, if, if indeed you guys are sick of us telling you about the delayed broadcast, I guess that means that you're pretty well versed <laughs> on, uh, on how to jump across to the live show. Yes. Yeah, so you should know it up by heart. So Tune in at faithfm.com.au. We don't have to tell them that they should go to the website, which is faithfm.com.au. No, we, <laughs> we don't have to tell them they need to download the TuneIn app and search for Faith FM Australia. And get the free, free version. And get the free version. I'm sure they know more about that than we do. Probably. <laughs> probably. They probably, you know, our delayed listener broadcast, our delayed broadcast listeners could probably do this intro for us. Yeah. Off by heart. Do you know what? Give us a call and leave an intro on our, on our, on our um, voicemail. The best intro gets a prize. The, and will be aired. You <laughs> <laughs> can do the welcome for the delayed intro. I love that idea. Yes. Leave, a, leave an intro on our answering machine. This is what I was looking for, answering machine. Answering machines are kind you can of tell, archaic. You can tell now. that we're getting bored during, during, <laughs> the, during the delayed broadcast. Can't I you? feel like I've told them so many times how to jump across to the live show. And it's not their fault they're not on the live show. No, it's ours. You need to pester us, us some more. Yeah, yes. yeah. Lobby us. We are like a wheelbarrow. We're in process. Pushing. We're in process. It yeah. is happening. But uh, yeah, keep on our case. Give us a call one eight hundred Faith FM. I'm sure you know that number off by heart one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Tell us that you want the live show in your area so you can get the live intro. It's the one part of the show that is different. Um, it's uh, it's a it's the uh, live introduction, and then of course you know you can actually jump in and, and win the prizes because often they get snapped up. And don't forget our Ig TV and our YouTube go up pretty much live. Yes, indeed. All right, have a good time. Uh, enjoy the broad, uh, the delayed broadcast show.
through the hours of darkness for day by day his faithful hand never stays upon us with every morning rise we kneel long our lives we offer to be a living sacrifice holy to the Savior Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Keith and Kristen Getty with Shout for Joy here on Faith FM. And yes, we should be shouting for joy this morning, Mon. Uh, we should be. Absolutely. Uh, is there a particular reason why? Yeah, there's probably a lot of reasons why. Um, <laughs> you just make a generalised comment. I'm just making a generalised comment. How about, how about, it's, it's, it's the middle of the week. It's hump, about, day, hump day. It's true. How about we tell our listeners to call us up and tell us why we should be jumping for Yeah, joy. why not? Absolutely. Yeah, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Tell us all about... Uh, reasons for joy. And another reason to call us on that same number, 1-800-FAITH-FM, is to answer our quiz. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know you did. It was, it's online or it's, it's on Instagram it's, already. Yeah, the first clue is already up on Instagram and it's has been, been for a while now, like about 20 minutes. <laughs> but uh, this is a Who Am I quiz. And I think it's a lot easier than yesterday. Yesterday was a pretty hard quiz. Only if you don't listen to Faith FM regularly for the Encounter with God section. Well, you know, if people do their own Bible studies, they don't need to be... I th- I th- if I you listen to Faith hard. FM regularly, then you would have got yesterday's quiz on the no, first No, I don't think so. We didn't really. It was a what city am I? I don't remember. You see, I personally see, see, don't okay, remember so, venturing that all right, city so that much. The whole time we were talking about that city, because we talked about it just about every day while you were. Uh, oh, okay, fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so what you're saying, our regular listeners have no excuse. None. Okay. Well, this one's pretty easy. This this one is a who am I? And it's from, um, a, yeah, a pretty famous Bible story. I wouldn't say the most famous, but definitely one of the big ones. Um, okay, so the first clue. After living in Moab for about 10 years, I returned to Bethlehem just as the barley harvest was beginning. Okie dokie. Who lived in Moab for 10 years and then went back to Bethlehem? Just as the barley harvest was beginning. Barley is so delicious. Barley is my favorite grain. I actually made barley really? soup. Just barley? Week. Yeah. Last week when I was sick, I made I like barley, barley soup. soup. I do like barley yeah, soup. Yeah, it was great. It was the first time I ever made I soup. I it's my favourite grain, but I do like barley soup. For sure it's my favourite grain. I, I love like, it. I actually like millet. Do you like millet? Yeah, I don't mind millet, but I like chewy, so I like the chewy grains. Um, yeah, yeah. And I also like wheat berries. I discovered on my flight over to uh, to Europe, because I flew with Qatar Airways, and they made porridge for the breakfast meal, mm-hmm. um, but they made it Middle Eastern style. And in the Middle East, they don't like... Um, use oats so much they use wheat berries which is basically the entire wheat grain mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they just soak it for a really long time and they cook it it was the best porridge I ever had and it was on a plane oh, it was so you've good you've never eaten my porridge my porridge I, th- I have porridge. I have no. had your porridge well then then you have um, forgotten how good it was and no. have been deceived no. 
Nah, that chewy Middle Eastern porridge with some good stuff. Actually, if you're Middle East and you're listening to the show, can you call me up and give me a recipe, please? <laughs> a recipe for some Middle Eastern there you porridge. Go. Wheat berry porridge. <laughs> where, do you, where do you even buy wheat berries from? I looked it up online. It turns out you can get them from like um, those sort of Middle Eastern or, or Asian ethnic shops that you see around. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to hunt some down. All right. You hunt some down. I will try it and <gasps> I will tell you. Porridge whether- challenge. <laughs> All right. We're going to have a porridge off right here. <laughs> and we're going to get a... We're going to get a neutral person to come in blindfolded with their nose clasped with a peg. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Our porridge is going to stink? <laughs> <laughs> their nose no, so they don't get any preconceived ideas. I guess if both bowls are in the same room, then it doesn't matter. We're just going to blindfold and they get to try each porridge yeah, and yeah. tell us which one they like best. That's it, yeah. I, I'm, I'll, I'll choose the neutral let's person. Let's shake. Let's shake on this. Okay, I'm, Done I'm, deal. I'm, I'm, I'm choosing the neutral person, right? No, we both have to agree. <laughs> we're going to get our boss to choose a neutral person. Oh. And then we're both going to make, I'll make the, the airplane Middle Eastern porridge and you make whatever your version of Gook is. This is, this is, our, this is contingent on our Middle East friends <laughs> um, calling in right now with a recipe. <laughs> Call me quick. It's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Okay. All right. Let me tell you some other good news. Oh, man, I'm so excited about this cook-off. <laughs> you have no idea. What, you know I'm an award-winning vegan baker, right? You've just, you know you've just that, yourself. You know that I am the greatest porridge cooker in the world. <laughs> Here we go. Here in we the go. world. <laughs> oh, they could never say Faith FM presenters are humble. <laughs> we are tooting our own horns. Oh, okay. All right. All right. It's the only thing I can cook. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only thing you can cook. I struggle to boil an egg, but I can make porridge. No, is this why you make it so well? Because it's the only thing you've had to perfect ever. <laughs> Maybe. But oh, I have perfected dear. it. Oh, goodness. Okay, okay. Let's get on with the show, Lyle. It's, it's a man thing. We're able to, men are able to focus. We focus. We have this, it's we, true. Have this we have this focus. We don't multitask, but we do focus it's on tr- one thing. And I do believe that's one of the reasons why men are often at the pinnacle of all professions. So even though women are more known for being cooks, it's the men who are the best chefs in the world. They have the most Michelin stars, they're the most famous ones. And I believe it's because of their ability to focus solely on one task and drown everything out, where a woman goes to, like, you know, takes on a task and in the back of her mind is thinking about 10 different other things at the same time. Yeah. I have a theory. That's my theory. I would add to that theory and say that men are combined with the fact that uh, men are greater risk takers. That's true. Which is why women live longer. One of the reasons why women live longer. Because we're more careful. Um, And and so you've got a lot more men who are failures. Yeah. High risk, high reward. Yeah. Yeah. So the men men inhabit the extremes and the women inhabit the center. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A little us theorizing this morning. Yep. Okay, let, let me we tell probably, you. We probably should do a story somewhere <laughs> along the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should get that audience to vote who they think is going to make the best porridge. It's me, everyone. It's me. I can make porridge like 10 different ways. You know this, right? I literally have a cookbook on porridge. My, just My phone porridge. is just buzzing away with messages here right now. Everybody's voting That's for an me. outrageous lie. <laughs> People don't even have your number. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. one 800 is my number to vote for me. <laughs> Whatever. That's both of our numbers. Give us a call and tell us what you think. Okay, Lyle. Yes. You know, I think both of us are a little bit geeky and we enjoy a bit of etymology. Yes. I didn't know Who this. doesn't enjoy a bit of I etymology? Know, I know, right? Maybe jocks or something, cheerleaders, I don't know. So did you know the word peace building is not a real word? It's a composite word. Well... It, this is crazy. You should it, have one of them little 
things in the middle of it. What do you call those things? Oh, a hy- uh, like a dash, a like hyphen a dash thing. thing. It's not. Yeah. It's when they write it, it's written together as one word. And this is a this is a word that gets um it gets a lot of uh. Oh, I, I got a vote. That's not. It's not. I got the same vote on my phone. That is not an unbiased vote. You can't get votes from your wife. Your wife is not involved in this game. You're a bystander, <laughs> Shell. Please stand down. Okay, <laughs> back to peace building. So peace building gets seven million hits on Google, right? Right. But it is in our dictionaries. And, uh, and people are so outraged by this that they're actually creating a campaign to change this to get it into the dictionary. How funny is that? So which dictionary, though? Well, you know like how- all the dictionaries. There's not in any major dictionary, like Webster's and... I don't know whether or not you realise, but every year, um, I think... Every year they update it. Every year they update it and they, add, and they include some new words. And so people are outraged because words like hangry, which means when you're hungry, you're angry, um, Instagrammable, blingable... Um, totes and adorbs have all made it into the dictionary of late. But peace building, uh, which is actually a word that apparently the UN uses a lot. Do we take words out of the dictionary? I don't know that we ever take them out, but I think we sort of archive them. So Because if we don't ever take them out, they're just going to – the dictionary is just going to get bigger, bigger, bigger forever. Bigger, bigger. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to, you know, get that big. I think it's going to be like one word a year. So, it's not, you know, not really a huge no, issue. There's a whole bunch of words you just read. But there's there. lots of archaic words that you won't find in the dictionary. Mm. So, um, I don't think you'd find Egypt in the dictionary anymore, even though I use it sometimes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so people are – so, Mike Jobbins is a guy uh, from Search for Common Ground. He says it's really frustrating that peace building is not in the dictionary, even though we have all the words like fight and warmongering and, uh, you know, all the words that mean the opposite. So, it actually got coined in the 1970s uh, by a Norwegian scholar, Johan Galtung, and he defines it as projects that involve concrete action towards peace. And I'm kind of all bored this, but they've gone all out because, it, you know, obviously it's not just, you know, some sort of wishy-washy word. It's a word that we should it's be It's a really good a word. And it's a word that we do use and yeah. you do hear a lot and... I'm actually really surprised that it's not in the dictionary. Yeah, that's kind yeah of especially for this me. day and age, when I think we yeah, need to be doing yeah. a lot more peace building. So they're going all out with I don't this think, campaign. I don't know that, don't know that um, putting it in the dictionary is going to create peace in the world. No, but it should be there. Another word to help with the whole, yeah, you know, creating peace. But they've they've gone all out. So they've like created a giant dictionary that they have on display. Um, outside uh, Cambridge University with – it's like open to a page and on the page it has the word peace building, like just, just peace building with a definition of it to sort of, you know, get people sort of more familiar with it and on board with it. But I thought it was quite interesting that you should have a campaign to get a, a word in the dictionary. But do you know what? I'm quite pleased about it because I've actually been a little bit embarrassed in the last few years. They've had all these like, you know, banal words like Instagrammable and bling and hangry. Like I, I, it kind of makes me a little bit – Ashamed you use and some of these words. I use them, but they, they should stay slang. They in should fact, not be in, in the fact, dictionary. In fact, well, s- slang is a part of the English language. You use totes all the time. Yeah, it should, but it's a it's a it's a mess up of the word totally. It should not be in the dictionary. They should not stick totes in the dictionary. Peace building should be the word that gets in the dictionary, and and intelligent sounding words like that are the <laughs> words that should go in the. So dictionary. you are you are uh, confessing here on radio that you you use unintelligent sounding words. I use slang words, but okay. yeah, fine, whatever. Let us know what you think. Stacking up the rocks at the edge of the water, memorial of the miracles you gave to thee, that all the people of the earth might remember that the hand of the Lord's mighty. Um, I told 
Joshua to lead his people As I was with Moses, I will be with thee I will never leave or forsake you But set the people free Joshua spoken to his people Said sanctify yourselves For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you And you will surely be blessed Stacking up the rocks at the edge of the water Memorial of the miracles he gave to thee That all the people of the earth might remember That the hand of the Lord's mighty Priest carrying the ark of the covenant To the raging Jordan side Brave and courageous they stepped in the water And got work before their eyes the water stopped flowing, the riverbed dry They all crossed to the other side Twelve men back to the middle of the river Carrying rocks to remember by Stacking up the rocks at the edge of the water Memorial of the miracles he gave to thee That all the people of the earth might remember That the hand of the Lord's mighty God's still with us in this world of trouble Gives miracles every day Has he worked in your life, brother? Have you shown it in some way? Well, are you stacking up the rocks at the edge of the water? Memorial of the miracles he gave to thee That all the people of the earth might remember That the hand of the Lord's mighty Hallelujah. Stacking up the rocks at the edge of the water so that all the people of the earth might remember that the hand of the Lord is mighty. You were listening to Balsam Range, stacking up the rocks here on Faith FM and moving on with the breakfast show. Let's have another clue for the quiz. Yes, who am I? I said he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. Mm. You know, I would never have got it from that clue. If that had been yeah. the first clue, I'd be like, what? On yeah, that one's way that? more obscure. Yeah. And even the next one's more obscure. And the third one's even more obscure as well. Okay, so go for the first one, guys. The first clue is that this person spent 10 years in Moab and returned to her homeland at the time of the barley harvest. And Lyle just gave you an extra clue there. Yeah, that's all right. Shh, don't even say any more. Let's just extra, move on. Extra clues are allowed every now and then. What's happening around the world, Lyle? You just got to butcher the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to butcher the quiz like I'm going to butcher no, you in this porridge contest. No, no, no. Okay, so what's happening around the world? Okay, there's a couple of things happening around the world. What do you think of what, – what's your opinion of this um, – uh, the gambling ads on the sales of the Opera House? What? Nah. I What? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I haven't been in the country for a while. What? <laughs> <laughs> I think okay, so basically, disgusting. basically, it works like this. It's, it's, uh, um, you know, sometimes, you know, how sometimes we'll put images on the on the yeah. sales of the opera house. Yeah, it looks we, we real project cool. them up there, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so during the, the vivid uh, festival, vivid festival mm-hmm. is just really, really amazing. Everybody should get down to see that because it's just uh, spectacular and it's just a great work of art. Yeah, it is. Um, there are other occasions, you know, when we'll put the, uh, you know, say the our, our national sports icons, like you know, the cricket team or something like that, goes up on the 
on the uh, sales of the opera house to you know, I didn't know that some support and that's probably a little bit more controversial. I'm mm-hmm. not sure where I stand on on I that. I know where I point. stand on that. Uh, but the latest one is advertising the Everest horse race. No, ever heard of it? I have never heard of it, but I don't think it's a good idea. I mean, even if it was the Melbourne Cup, which we've all heard of, mm-hmm. um, which is probably is a national thing. It's like the Everest horse race. Seriously, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't follow the racing scene, but. The, the the thing is that horse racing, you know, I, I know that people bet on all sports. Yeah. But horse racing, by its nature, is all about gambling. It's true. This is the aristocracy's form of gambling. So mm-hmm. you've got your uh, – <clears throat> basically, the gambling scene in Australia is made up of um, your lower class um, who gamble in the, you know, the pokies. Yeah. And your upper class who – are, who gamble on the horses. You've got your lower class who, for them, gambling on the pokies and the scratchies is that thin ray of light that they might be able to break out of their cycle of poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, and your upper class who have got so much money that they're just trying to find ways to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, your middle class is the ones that don't gamble because they're smart enough that this is you know, this is this is why they're middle class because they don't gamble. Yeah, that's right. Because um, <clears throat> they figured out that um, gambling always – the house, the, house, the house always wins. That's right. You know, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. This is, a, this is a way of casinos making money, not losing money, which means that they are taking your money. There's a very, very simple equation to it. And of course, gambling is one of the most, you know, socially destroying uh, exercises that we have in Australia. Um, gambling and uh, alcohol, uh, pornography, these are all things that are right up there with really, really, you know, destructive influences on our society. And now we're advertising on the Opera House. I do, it makes me ashamed to be Australian. But I don't think advertising anything on the Opera House is a good idea. I, I I would think you know the the, the no vivid, yeah, but that's not advertising. That's art, right? That's right. And that's See, in the its opera realm. house. The opera house is a piece of art. Yeah, that's and, and doing vivid on the opera house is is within its sort of you know within its realm. Like the, yeah. uh, the architecture is you know artistic. What happens inside the opera house? You know the music and the concerts all very art, musically you know artistic, and having the light show is artistic. So it all sort of fits. But I think we're we're going down a slippery slope if we start using the sales of the opera house to advertise anything, gambling. even if it is gambling. our national sport. And definitely if it's gambling. Yeah, yeah they're saying they're saying, oh, we're advertising horse racing. No, you're not. You're actually advertising gambling. gambling. Yeah, and I think Australians... this is how horse racing makes money. Australians should be a little bit ashamed about how much of a nation, like how much of gambling we do as a nation. You should be very ashamed. Yeah, and I don't, <coughs> sticking it all over the sales of the Opera House is an embarrassment. Like I'm just, I'm sort of cringing at the thought of all the tourists that might come down to Circular Quay and see our Opera House, like... A wash with advertising of any variety. I think that's terrible. Yeah, I mean, I think it's questionable whether we put the Australian cricket team up there. But I, at the I same time, you've, you you've, you've heard of the Australian cricket team. I've heard you know, of them. Yeah. We, we, you know, everybody knows this is this is a national thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, unless you're part of the horse racing scene and no the gambling scene, unless you're a part of the gambling scene. Uh, you've never. You, 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 who's ever heard? Of, I've never heard of this. I, I'm actually racer. surprised that they even are it. allowed. Now to. I know that there's a lot of people out there in the horse industry that would be listening in right now and going, "What kind of ignorant fools are these guys on? Uh, you know, on the breakfast show right here." Uh, but you need to understand that horse racing is. It is a sport of the aristocracy. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, it is the gambling addiction of the aristocracy, and the average middle class person, you know. 
the, there's the Melbourne Cup and that's about it. And there's yeah. the one that, I think, what is it, the Caulfield Cup that comes before the Melbourne Cup. And the only reason we know about that one is because it often predicts the Melbourne Cup. I've never heard that one. And, uh, yeah, there you go. And, uh, and, and, and because of that, um, and I may have even got it wrong, who knows. But uh, I'm actually surprised that advertising for gambling is legal. You know how you're not allowed to advertise for smoking anymore? I've, I mean, I've heard them say that they think that gambling is the next one to go in terms of curtailing the advertising rights, and I definitely think we should we should completely Interesting that you mentioned that it. because there was a, um, a story on the news this morning about curtailing the advertising on alcohol and how we had we started do down that path mm-hmm. and gone backwards, and I'm thinking, you know, what's the difference between alcohol and smoking. Why do we ban it on smoking and not alcohol? I mean, they're both class A carcinogens. Yeah. They're both going to kill you just as easily and quickly. And 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 alcohol has so much worse social implications than even smoking does. Yeah, I'm pretty I, sure that I, alcohol say, like really costs the government way more than smoking does. You know, in terms of like healthcare and because you know, smoking like you, you know what the, you, you know what the real issue is here? What? It's what the government makes out of it. Still, I mean, they've been tax. They've been taxing um, smoking as well. They still make money out of tax. Uh, yeah, but smoking. then with gambling, mm. with gambling, it's what the money. Basically, the government is the biggest casino in Australia. They own it. They control it. They make money out of it. Um, it's they, disgusting. They, they would go broke if there was no gambling, and they know it. And so they're like, "Yeah, you know what? Um, we'll, I think we'll advertise this on the Opera House." I think governments that. That um that take that stance with gambling is probably the biggest sign of a government that isn't truly invested or interested or has a vested interest in the good of you know of the of their people in in the happiness of their nation. No, they're just interested in votes by having a strong economy. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving on from there, what do you think about um, Scott Morrison's idea to send um through uh, visa conditions send new immigrants to the country? Areas, rural areas, regional I, areas. Yeah, do you know what I heard about that, and I'm. <laughs> I'm undecided. I like the idea of sending people like out to populate, you know, the sparse areas, especially because we are overcrowded in our cities. But at the same time, I've never, I'm not sure that I've ever been a huge fan of keeping immigrants together in their own communities. I understand that it makes them feel safe and at home when they have their own kind around them. But I also think it doesn't help with integrating them into a different society and culture, which creates, you know. (coughs) Here's my view on it. You know, because I've moved from Sydney, obviously, to uh, the Hunter region. And coming to the Hunter region, you know, pastoring churches in Sydney, you know, you look out over your congregation and there might be one or two of your um, uh, a white Australian-born Aussie in the congregation. Mm-hmm. I moved up to here. First uh, Sabbath that I went into my church in Maitland, looked out over the congregation and they were all white and it was like, wow, this is really freaky. I'm not used to preaching to white Aussies. And I think there is a much greater understanding of many different cultures in Sydney as compared to rural areas. And I think the healthy thing is that when you've got a neighbour, you know, all of my neighbours when I lived in Sydney were from, you know, Malta and Italy and places like that. You learn, it broadens your understanding of the world. It broadens your understanding of people. You start to recognise that, all different kinds of people are just people like you mm-hmm. um, and that they have, you know, wants and desires and needs and loves and, you know, 
and you share so much more together. And it, and I think that understanding of each other actually helps break down walls of prejudice. Mm-hmm. I think that the, our cities have a much better handle on um, making multiculturalism work than our rural areas. And I think that if we have more immigrants in our rural areas, there will be a greater understanding of people as being people. You know, when oh, you've got very interesting. your neighbour over the back fence is from Somalia, you're going to understand that, yeah, this is somebody who wants to work and wants to you know, go ahead in life and wants to, you know, do all the kind of things that have a family and enjoy life like just like everybody else. Hey, so that's give my us view. a call. Tell us what you think. 1-800-FAITH-FM. All victory in Jesus, my Saviour forever. He sought me and bought me with His redeeming blood. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Come on. Testing. I've got nothing. Testing? Oh, no, we're both on the same channel. Testing? One, two, one, two. We're good. Okay. um, So it doesn't show down there anymore. It's a different configuration. Yeah, Shell does it a bit differently than Marta does it. (coughs) Okay. No, no worries. It seems to work just as well. Shall Shall we pray? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that David and I are able to uh, to uh, record this this program for uh, Faith FM, and we pray that you will speak through us as we do so. Particularly as we look at the issue of marriage, that it will really be something that will uh, that we will be, we will be able to encourage people in their relationships and uh, and 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 in their connection with you as well. And we ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lyle. All right. Okay. <coughs> Oops. All right. There we go. We on? Yep. Three, two, one. 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 8718, or 88 right across Australia. And, of course, I'm with Pastor David Stojic here with us, one of our regulars, morning. weekly regular. Good to have you on the show again, David. Good morning, Lyle, and good morning, everyone. Now, your passion is holistic health, and our conversations have been revolving around physical, mental, social, and spiritual health. And last week, you were talking with Mon, I believe. That's right. Um, about the impact of marriage relationship on our overall state of well-being. You shared some of the benefits of a good relationship, which included that uh, people in a good marriage relationship will live four years longer. That sounds good. <laughs> yes. Um you also mentioned it's harmful to raise children in a home where parents are hostile to each other. That's right. And people in an unhappy relationship have a 35% increased chance of getting ill. That's right. Um, now, unfortunately, not all marriages are good. In this country, one in every three marriages ends in divorce. That's rather high. Um, what help can couples, couples get if they are experiencing relationship problems? Uh, thanks, Lyle. Uh, so one of my trainings is is uh, relationship counseling and I appreciate appreciate your question. Uh, before I answer that question, I just would like to mention that according to Dick Tibbetts, uh, and I had the privilege of, of uh, listening to his presentations and I even presented his seminar, <laughs> a wonderful seminar that he That's did. That's the Forgive to Live Forgive seminar? Forgive to Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah According to him, uh, being unhappily married is more detrimental to your health than smoking. <laughs> so. Wow, that's really significant because, I mean, we know that smoking is just a, uh, right. a, a slow-lingering death, really. That's, that's all right. it is. So, so back to your question, what, can help, um, uh, what help can couples get if they're experiencing relationship problems? So I highly recommend to couples that are experiencing a lot of conflict to seriously consider some relationship or some marriage counseling. Okay, so now some people say that uh, relationship counselling doesn't work. What, what are your thoughts on this? Well, um, someone once said, if you say you can or if you say you can't, you're right either way. So if people come to a, a session believing it's not going to be helpful, so most likely it will become like a self-fulfilling prophecy because their mind is closed. But if people come to a session believing, uh, well, you know, these people are trained in the field, uh, they've helped a lot of other people. Most likely they'll be able to help uh, my relationship. Then I believe there is a lot of chance and a lot of possibility that, that they will be helped. So there are a few other things that are very, very important when we think about success of relationship counseling. So we've just mentioned the attitude. Mm -hmm. So if you come with an, op with an open mind, with the right attitude, definitely they'll, be, they'll, they'll get some help. The second one is timing. Uh, sometimes it may be too late uh, for people. They basically, they've all made up their mind. Uh, the walls are up. Uh, both sides of, of relationship have given up on it. And they're just doing this to say or tick a box and say, well, I'll try that. It doesn't work. So it's kind of similar to, to the... To now, the I saw some interesting research today, and, and maybe you might have some thoughts on this, yeah. that... Um, Christian people are more likely to wait until it's too late than non-Christian people to go to counselling. Uh, well, have you come across that? Uh, look, I I haven't per se, but I'm really not surprised by that by that at all because, uh, unfortunately, um, Christian people, when it comes to other issues such as depression and anxiety and so on and so on, uh, they have this understanding or or attitude. Well, you know. I pray to God, and 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 uh, you know God is is um, 
you know, at work in my life. And look, it sounds very true, but even Moses needed Aaron and, and her to, to, to... Yeah, yeah, to, absolutely. To, to lift, to lift, <laughs> we all need a bit of help. <laughs> to lift his hands. Even Jesus needed his friends to pray for mm, him. Mm. Could you not watch with me for one hour, he said. So, so, so we cannot do it on our own. Mm. So, so I'm not surprised by that statistic. So timing is important. Um, then it could be also... Um, uh, it could be uh, maybe lack of skill with the with the uh, relationship counselor, and they can focus on 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 uh, uh, on conflict regulation uh, and communication instead of having a more holistic approach to counseling therapy. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, especially yeah. that that's kind of interesting that that based on on Gottman Gottman Institute and they are the foremost authorities uh, in the world when it comes to to uh, relationships. Uh, they, they they say that they suggest that seventy percent of differences or reasons for conflict will never be solved, uh, but it really matters what we do with the thirty percent of things we agree on, and so, so they, they are saying let's focus very heavily on things that actually we agree on, and some of the things or well great deal of things uh, so we say that contrasts attract each other. Mm-hmm. So they attracted each other because they're different. So there is no point of me trying to make my wife into be exactly like the same as I am and vice versa. So that's very interesting insight, isn't it? 70%. It's almost it's almost counterintuitive, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You sort of look at it and think, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, for a couple to get together, they need to uh, to find all this unity. They need to agree on everything. But what you're saying, you know, opposites attract, and so you're going to have. Couples that disagree that get together and that that's never actually going to be resolved. So that's, that's right. Yes, I believe that the agreement on the most important things in life, such as the principles and the values, must be there for a marriage to work. Absolutely. Uh, <coughs> when I do premarital counseling, I frequently use a text from the Bible, from Prophet Amos, uh, chapter three and verse three, which we uh, use frequently. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Uh, so people have to have a core things that they agree on. But for a marriage to work, the marriage partners do not need to agree on all things. They can agree to disagree on things that are less important mm. for them. Now, just, 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 just sort of slightly off the topic here, but uh, how important is it, is it to agree in matters of religion? Uh, I really believe when it comes to the worldview – uh, uh, and and uh, and the religion, uh, the future of the mm. world, uh, where are we going from here? Mm-hmm. Uh, the purpose and meaning of life—they're uh, very very important things. So this uh, is foundational. To, to, so this would come in, in, then within the things. That, uh, it is it is extremely important that 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 there is agreement there. And uh, from my perspective, the Bible obviously speaks: "Do not be unequally yoked." So we have to be under the same yoke, under the same discipline, under the same uh, agreement, under the same hope and purpose and meaning. And that certainly is going to be very, very helpful to, to life. I'm not saying that people who actually have different worldviews that in 100% cases, you know, uh, <laughs> that it may not work. Sure, yeah, you absolutely. Know, uh, there are always exceptions. Yeah. But for the harmony in marriage, for the next generation. If you're starting out. That's right. Start out with, uh, that, that's right. with having uh, so a similar worldview. That's right. Fantastic. Now, um, this can all be a little bit tricky. What if they, uh, what if they disagree on what's important and what's not? 
Um, this, <laughs> so this, couple, is be a, this is going to cause marriage breakdown. So, right? so you're talking about about disagreeing that the seventy percent. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. So what if they can't even agree yeah. on what's important and and what what's not? Uh, well, uh, this is where where exter- external help such as relationship counseling can help. A skilled counselor will help uh, the couple to uh, work on the on the uh, value statement to identify what's really important to them. Uh, will help them to identify the individual uh, needs and learn about the needs of their partner. Uh, they they'll help them to negotiate some strategy strategies as to how these uh, needs can be met in a mutually agreeable way. Uh, and it of course uh, they'll get help to to identified the areas of conflict. Maybe we can talk about that after we come back from this great yes. bit because I'd like to um, yeah, delve a little, in, little into some of those areas of conflict. We're going to take a break right now. We'll be back right after this. Lord, help me live from day to day In such a self-forgetful way That even when I kneel to pray my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Help me to live for others, that I may live like Thee. And when my is done and my new work in hands begun may I forget the crown I've won while thinking still of others others Lord yes others let this my motto be help me to live that I may live like David Stojic, and uh, as usual, every week he's here to join us talking about uh, all aspects of holistic health. We've been talking about marriage relationships right. uh, this morning, and um, yeah, really talking about, you know, um, what, how, how do, how do we identify the areas of conflict <laughs> and help a couple to refocus? What are some things that they need to be working on? Uh, so we, we, we mentioned, uh, obviously, that the, we have to start from the foundation, from the, from the value statements, what's really important to them. But then we, we kind of ran uh, through, through, through the list of things. And then we said, well, they have to identify the areas of conflict and help the cou- that we need to help them to refocus by working on a few areas of their mm. lives. So, for instance, um, when, a, when a couple comes, comes to me, and it just happens all the time, and they have, they have some really uh, communication issues, uh, they're, they're, they're highly conflicting. And the natural, for many counselors, natural place where to start would be to actually try to give them some, some uh, skills in communication. And that's per se is not 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 uh, you know bad, but really based on the Gottman Institute and and their their uh, approach and they're very successful on that, they they have 
uh, come up with something that's called love maps. Uh, uh, couples kind of drift away. They, 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 they lose because they start cooling off towards each other. They do not know what really matters to each other. Uh, and so uh, building love maps is actually helping the couple to reconnect, to get to know each other. Uh, to, uh, I even use cards, you know, uh, where people draw a card and they ask a question. What is your favorite, uh, your wife's favorite um, uh, pastime? And so the husband has to actually really think about it. What's really important? What's really important? What kind of, you know, does she like to go out or not? And so on and so on, to restaurants and so on. So actually, it really helps people to, to broaden their understanding and knowledge what matters to your spouse. And then we actually, the next step is sharing fondness and admiration. Uh, and that's one thing where we actually help the couple to, in a given week, focus on the positives uh, of, 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 of each other and to be deliberate in sharing uh, statements that, that are genuine, uh, where they're admiring the strengths of each other uh, without qualifications, but they have to be truthful. Mm, and, okay. and, th- and then we help them to learn uh, how to turn toward. Uh, that, that's a phrase by Gottman, uh, you know, Gottman Institute. They say, well, look, what does it mean to, to, to learn to turn toward and rather than turning away? Turning toward is, say, Lyle, you, you, uh, I, I just use this as an example. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure whether this is the case. Say, for instance, you, you have an interest in a certain hobby, and uh, and uh, you share some of that with your wife enthusiastically. She can then turn towards you and, and engage you in conversation and listen to you, or she can turn away and just really don't pay any attention to what's important to you. By doing that, we are drifting away from each other. But actually, by focusing and hearing on what's important to you, you are getting closer to each other. So learning how to turn toward mm. rather than turning mm. away. Mm. And then in conflict management, obviously we teach people to, to adopt a win-win attitude because win-lose attitude. If I win and my wife loses, guess what? Your relationship loses. Our, my relationship, my marriage loses. So, we, 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 so in, 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 in many respects... It's impossible to have a win-lose. You can only have a win-win or a lose-lose. Or, com- or compromise. Sure. So, so, some, sometimes, sometimes I don't get everything that I want. And either really, <laughs> well, so disappointing, I know, David. I know, I, know it's, I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> believe it, but, no. but but I'm a married man myself. <laughs> I know how this works, David. So, so we don't uh, always get our that's own way. Right. So, so and then exploring their life dreams. <clears throat> I'll never never forget this. You know, what is the quality time many times that you and your wife would have? Sometimes it's like driving, you know, having a long drive uh, from, from uh, you know, to a place, to some mm. appointment, you're driving for a few hours. What a precious opportunity when you're driving with your wife to say, okay, tell me about your life dreams. You know, what, what ideally would you like to happen in your life, in our life? That is wonderful because actually... How many times are we deliberate actually in sharing with each other what's really, really important? What's my life dream? What's her life dream? You know, and, and then creating shared meanings uh, through, through to maybe they call it family rituals. 
when when you have have a, a, a special ritual of going out a particular week of the night or having a candle lit dinner at home, whatever that is, uh, where, where, but where something is meaningful to you and to your spouse. Mm. So I have seen many many positive changes when 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 uh, uh, when with couples that went uh, to a good relationship counselor and work consistently on improving their, their marriage. So it really, really works. Fantastic. Now, um, thank you so much for sharing those insights right there. There's a, a lot of misunderstandings about marriage counselling, and hopefully some of our listeners who are experiencing marriage or relationship difficulties may be encouraged to try some counselling. Um, what from your research and observation separates good from bad Marriages. Okay, so very important questions because we said if we are in a bad marriage, it's uh, <laughs> it's detrimental. Yeah, to yeah, that's right. It's, it's worse than smoking. <laughs> that's right. So, so I'm glad you asked. Uh, there are two pillars. Uh, there are two pillars uh, of a good relationship or a good marriage. It's like if you imagine two poles, two pillars on which the house, the whole house of marriage stands, and they are trust and commitment. Uh, we are uh, where one or both have been undermined, and if not addressed successfully, the marriage will not survive, uh, or it won't have any quality to it. So trust and commitment are important. The people who are very good uh, uh, and they have some good marriages, and they have they have these qualities. These are the, these are the masters. <laughs> the, the masters. The masters of marriage. The, they, they, have, they have these qualities. They have their, their friends. They're genuine friends with their spouse. Uh, they actually have what they call positive sentiment override. You know how we can become negative and critical and whatever. Uh, masters of marriage, people who have good marriages, they allow the positive feeling, they focus on positives, and they have this, what they call positive sentiment override. Um, then, then they are very good uh, when it comes to repair attempts. You know, you know how we, look, I wish I, 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 I could say that marriages never argue. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, they we, do. we all wish we could say uh, that. But, but <laughs> say, say we have an argument, and 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 one of us is trying to to uh, to repair, uh, you know, attempts to repair this 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 chasm, this bridge between us. Uh, if we can recognize that and accept it and be open to that, then we we seem to be masters of relationship. But if somebody is trying to rebuild and we are rejecting it, then we really are not. They are, we are behaving more as disasters, not as masters. Okay, so we, we, we're going to talk about that in a moment. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so uh, acknowledging that not all problems are solvable. You know, there are some things that we cannot solve, and and it's important to have honor and respect mm. uh, and love. <laughs> you know, man, uh, as as one of the authors said, love and respect. I, did, uh, I think it was Lehman. He said that men are looking for respect. And women are looking for love. That's really interesting. I'm in the process. In fact, I just finished reading that book <laughs> yeah. and uh, and handed it to my wife. She's now reading the same book. So that's right. um, it's very very insightful. That's right. Um, I learned a lot about myself. That's true. As I worked through that material. That's right. But um, yeah, we just got a little bit of time here, David, and uh, so many things to talk about. We're going to have to continue this conversation next week. 
But uh, you did mention their uh, masters of masters of marriage. What's the opposite of a master of marriage? <laughs> so the opposite of of that uh, are the disasters. Uh, you know, like that's just a name, a label sure. that they uh, that the Gottman Institute Institute has given, and they are characterized by what they call the four horsemen of the apocalypse, <laughs> and 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 their criticism, defensiveness. Contempt and stonewalling. I know. So if I can, if I can just give Lyle, can I just give what the what the antidote for that is? Okay, just very quickly one, for, yep. for criticism. For criticism, it's very very important when somebody comes critical that we respond softly. What does that remind you of? You know, a soft answer turns away wrath. The <laughs> that's, Bible says. That's right. Then, then for defensiveness, uh, you know, the first thing is when somebody criticizes, we may become defensive. Let's actually take responsibility for contempt. You know, we need to build culture of appreciation. And for stonewalling, which is withdrawal and building stones, we need to, we need to do actually calming down through actually some exercises and breathing and so on and so on. Fantastic. David, thank you so much for joining us. I'm keen to hear more about this next week. Such an interesting subject. Right now we're going to move on with the show, so stay tuned. We have some more great programming right now. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
dấu 